I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Ladies and gentlemen, you are very welcome back. For all the latest news, for all the upcoming gigs, do follow me, Stephen Mullen, on Instagram at the Stephen Mullen. That's at the Stephen Mullen on Instagram. I'm on Twitter and all the rest. But anyway, blah de blah de blah. There are upcoming shows for all the latest upcoming shows and all that kind of stuff. Do check out at the Stephen Mullen. And if you have any questions, email in hello Steve Podcast at gmail.com. And if you want lots of people asking me about the Des Bishop tour dates go check out desbishop.net to find out where um, uh, we're coming to a town near you from the 17th of September into mid-October look forward to seeing you there alright you know what time it is let's do this hey, you can change your filthy animals Yes, indeedy, ladies and gentlemen, it's back. Hello, Steve-O Podcast is back, and it's for this Friday, the 9th of September, 2022. And it's a, an interesting, a weird one for me, personally recording this again, because I'm back on the mic in my office. It's been, it's been, oh, wow. It's actually, I just realized now as I'm saying this, it's been a long time. Um, we're at the beginning of September. It's been July, mid-July since I've been in this room, I think. And um, so it's weird to be back. I just got back into the room a few hours ago, and um, yeah, nothing's changed. The same. I, I tidied it a little bit before I went, but um, the same kind of madness slash mess is here. But it's good to be back. It's good to be back recording on the mic in Dublin again. And um, it's all very strange. Um, it's as if it never happened, but everything happened. But it was years ago, but it was yesterday. You know that feeling? We've all been there. Years ago, in 2007, I went on the Camino de Santiago Compostela. Now, some of you will have heard of that, and some of you will have not heard of that. But it came to me this morning, uh, thinking about the Camino de Santiago, as I reflect on the Edinburgh Fringe Festival of 2022, my first time doing the whole Fringe Festival and the journey that that was. Um, There's a lot of decompressing going on now. There's a lot of thinking reflecting on it because when you're over there and you're in the middle of it you literally haven't got a moment to to reflect on it to process it in any in, in any way it's such an emotional roller coaster every day every day it's such an emotional roller coaster that you can't you just don't have the time to process it to to figure out what's going on it's this weird feeling we've all been there in our lives where you have a time a period of time where it feels like the longest period of time ever and yet, at the same time, it feels like the shortest period of time. I would say that about every day over there. 
every day felt like so many things happened in one day and yet it was a really short day or the month some days just feels like my god this is the longest month of all time and yet at the same time simultaneously you're feeling that it's the fastest month ever that it's flown in four weeks i think it was the third to the 29th of august like that's a long time to be over there and then well three and a bit weeks nearly four weeks it's a long time to be over there and then it's all gone and it happens just like that when you do that first tech rehearsal to sort out the lighting and the sound and all that kind of stuff and you think i have loads of time to get this this show together and the journey that the, the show went on that artistically i went on the inspiration that I've gained from from being there, the amazing people that I met, um, the experiences, the emotional roller coasters of uh, everyday shows being completely different. I don't think there was any two shows that were the same. And it's just a constant up and down. And yet, that's why it reminded me of the Camino de Santiago, because we've all been through this type of thing in life. We've all been in scenarios where... We've had all those intense experiences all in the one place. All at a time where you feel that time is passing both really quickly and really slowly at the same time. You might remember from when you were younger, if you if you went on holidays maybe, or if you went on a summer camp or something like that. You know, you always fell in love with someone on the last day. That was the drama, wasn't it? The last bloody day of your holidays. You met some girl on a campsite who was from Netherlands or something like that. <laughs> you fell in love with her and you're like, Jesus Christ, why couldn't I met her on the fucking first day? And, you know, before you know it, you're in school and you're, you're writing letters. I mean, this is the 90s, isn't it? Jesus, a long time ago. i tell you what it reminded me of. We've all been there. Send me your messages. I'd love to hear about your different experiences of that, of those intense situations or those intense life experiences. But the thing that re- it reminded me of when I was thinking about it this morning was the Camino de Santiago Compostela, which some of you will have heard of, some of you will not have heard of, but it's a it's a pilgrimage. That's the only way that you can put it. I read Bill Bryson's book, you know, the, the travel writer. Is it memoirs? I don't know. He's a kind of a, a humorous writer that does all these different traveling things, or not necessarily always traveling, he just does, he just writes books about his experiences and stuff, really. And, uh, I read his one, Walk in the Woods, and I was at an interesting time in my life. The first time that I did um, the Camino de Santiago was 2007. So I was coming to the end of a carpentry apprenticeship. I had that four years of that apprenticeship was an emotional roller coaster in itself. I had dropped out of school to do a carpentry apprenticeship because school was not happening because of life circumstances at the time. So it was just thought it was best by all parties, the school, parents, and the guys who gave me the job, that, look, just go do a carpentry apprenticeship. It'll be a good thing to do, good thing to have in life, you know? And I'd uh, when I started this, I was going through some really tough stuff. Tough to go to work, tough to get up in the morning, etc., etc., and uh, and I was very young. I was 17 when I started uh, my working life. But by the time I got to 2007 at the, and the end of the apprenticeship, the Camino de Santiago, I was kind of finishing the apprenticeship and I was at a place in my life where I knew that something else was going to happen for me or I had to do something else or I had to do some kind of a change. I remember one of the things that I was doing 
was I was committing, and this is a bit intense, and I still do make these stupid deals to myself now, but on the lunch breaks from the building side, I would go and sit in my car and I would read a book, and my aim was to read a book a week, which is bloody insane to try and do just on lunch breaks. Okay, I was reading them at home as well, but I knew there was something else out there, and one of the books that I read was Bill Bryson's Walk in the Woods, and uh, I decided I'd like to do something like that. Um, Now, just to say that what Bill Bryson goes through in Walk in the Woods and the Camino de Santiago are completely different things. I didn't know that at the time before I went on the Camino de Santiago. Uh, what Bill Bryson does is not a pilgrimage. It's basically the Appalachian Trail, which goes down, as far as I can remember, the um, not, not right on the coast, but it goes on the east side of the US from north to south or south to north or whatever way you want to look at it. And there's a massive trail there and you can get... You can basically walk this whole trail. I don't even remember if I finished the book, but I remember there was all sorts of mad experiences, like because you know there was no places to stay. You're going in the woods, like you're going in these <clears throat> up these massive mountains. So they had to carry all their camping stuff, and there was bears at night time, and there was all that shit going on. Blah blah blah. So just to say that the Camino de Santiago is not the same as this. It's a pilgrimage. It's a. It is a, a you know which has religious connotations to it. And there are hostels all along the way where you can stay that are specific hostels that are there for pilgrims. You start in Saint-Jean-Pierre-de-Port in the south of France. The first day you walk up through the Pyrenees Mountains and come down the other side. And you enter uh, Roches Valles, I think, if I'm not mistaken. And you've entered Spain. And then you walk across the north of Spain all the way over to Santiago, which is uh, on the west coast of Spain. Now, I um, I did it twice in 2007. I went to my own for a week. I did it again three years later with a couple of friends and did it uh, from the same point, started at, in France again, and this time did, uh, did 10 days, went a bit further. But it was an amazing experience the first time I did it. And the reason, I, the way I'd heard of it is my dad had done the whole thing a couple of times, I think, maybe just once at that stage, but he'd gone and done the whole thing on his own. And it's quite the intense experience, now, I didn't really know when I went on it the first time what the experience was supposed to be or what the intention was or why people did it. I was just getting up, going, I'm going to walk, get to the other, you know, get to where the next stage is today. Now, you can stop off wherever you want, to be quite honest with you, but there's, there's a recommended, here's where you walk to today and you walk the stages or whatever. Um, the first day, now that I recall... I got extremely lost. And I remember the second time that I did it with, with those two friends, I remember this, the place where I missed a turn-off, and I was kind of, i got to keep an eye out for this, got to keep an eye out for this, and uh, I nearly missed it again. It's actually hard. It's, it is a turn-off that's easy to miss. But the first time I did it in 2007, and actually both times I walked through the Pyrenees, I didn't get to see shit because it was completely cloudy and rainy. And apparently they're the most amazing views of the whole Camino de Santiago, and I still haven't seen them. All I know is just climbing upwards, 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 upwards. Didn't get to see shit. Missed the turnoff. <laughs> the first time I missed the turnoff, the, the turn I had gone so far in the wrong direction that a French farmer was driving by in a car and there were some German women behind German women behind me who thankfully they spoke French and they spoke to the the man the French farmer and they said they are, that they were on the Camino de Santiago and that's how far off course that we went he'd never heard of the fucking thing 
there wasn't phones in those days what maps and all that shit so um eventually we found our way back but we estimated that we'd walked about 10 to 15k extra that day so i was exhausted after that first day but uh I didn't really know why I was there the f- the first time I did the Camino, and it's kind of an uh, an interesting thing to do with your uh, on your own. I was a young man; I was uh, twenty one, going on twenty two, um, and it was it was uh, the first few days. I was kind of just I kept walking on my own, kept walking the stages myself. I would get to the hostel and found like the you know I suppose I was very young and. Uh, I, I wasn't long into it that I was like three days in and I was seriously depressed and feeling very lonely. And um, I got to a, a hostel and I had got talking to a few people on that day of walking, but whatever miscommunication there was or I just looked up the wrong place in the book for the hostel to stay in, that night I went to a hostel that basically nobody that I was speaking to that day had went to. I'd gone to the wrong hostel. I went to the hostel at the other side of the town. And I was like, oh, I was feeling really down, really lonely and really depressed. And I didn't really know what to do. I kind of just went to bed early. And when I went to bed early that night, I could hear outside the window some people having a conversation in English. And uh, there was, I remember it was a Dutch guy. That's actually all I remember where everybody was from. But there was a Dutch guy and I think like an Italian and a Spanish person. And... uh, I I understood that they were having really deep conversation. And the Dutch guy was talking about the fact that he had had a massive falling out with his son and they weren't talking with each other. And the Camino de Santiago was a time for him to think about this and process that whole thing. Uh, another uh, woman who was there had just got divorced, so she went on, on the pilgrimage to kind of think about that and spend time with processing that. Uh there was another guy who who was having a difficulty in his marriage as well and it wasn't till a certain point where they decided to move inside that um i realized i went to where they were sitting inside and realized that none of these people had met each other before none of these people have had a conversation with each other before but they had all come on the camino de santiago with an intention for a you know they had a reason for why they were doing it. And in that moment, at that time, I realized, feeling really down and depressed, that that I completely missed the point of the Camino de Santiago. Not that it was that I, I, I had to have come with a, a specific intention, but I was supposed to go and walk the road and walk some of the road with other people as well. I was supposed to have these conversations. I was supposed to um, connect with other people. And not just be doing my own thing because that's just not the way life works, is it? So I started to connect with people. And I had only two days left or something like that at that point. I think I only did five to six days of walk at that point. And um, the next couple of days, I made connections with people that were insane. And I started talking with people. I started connecting with people. I started to slow down so I could do that because I was just kind of rushing to be the first person to the hostel every day so I could be the first to wash my clothes and get into bed and all that kind of stuff. I was rushing it. I was rushing it. And so I began to walk slower and connect with people and um, even to the point where there was one guy who I talked with a little bit, an American guy, and he was like really uh, pushing me to kind of go... He was an American. (laughs) He was like... 
you got to, I think the Lord Jesus is telling you, you got to walk all the way to San Diego. And I was like, I can't. I've only got one week from Builders Holidays here. Do you know what I mean? I can't. I got to get back to work on the building sites there. But he's like, the Lord Jesus wants you to walk with me all the way to San Diego. And uh, I got freaked out about it to the point that I remember I put some coins into the phone machine because that's what I don't even, I don't know. I must have had a mobile, but it wouldn't have worked to call my dad and uh, tell him about that. And he was like, don't mind him, you fucking idiot. <laughs> I was getting so stressed. I was thinking, Jesus, I have to fucking, I got to walk to Santiago. <laughs> I wrote, a, I remember I wrote every day into a, into a, a notebook because I was going to write a, I was going to write a book on the whole experience, which I did start doing. I didn't have a computer or a laptop at the time. And uh, I wrote 40,000 words of a book when I got back to Ireland. And then somebody broke into my Ford Focus and just grabbed a load of coins that were... I didn't have any valuables in the car. Well, the one valuable thing I did have, which was of no value to the people who broke into my car, was, uh, was a USB key that had those 40,000 words in it. Never got them back. I'd say it was a pile of shit anyway. <laughs> so when I did start connecting with people and started to, uh, to talk with people... I started to have a much better, a much deeper experience. And I remember the last night that I was there, we all got to this hostel together. I made friends with a lot of people from Barcelona then on those on those two days. And we all helped and we gathered, I think it was like the, the equivalent of one euro fifty, maybe two, two euro in coins. We went around and we collected that money from everybody who was staying in the hostel that night. And we cooked it with the money. We cooked dinner for everybody. And it was the longest table I've ever seen in my life out the back of that place. And we all made this lovely meal. And it was a beautiful moment where everybody was sitting together. There must have been 40 people or something crazy like that. We had wine, we had pasta, and it was a fantastic meal. And it's, you know, when you're, when you're walking so many uh, kilometers on those days and your body is tired or whatever, there's nothing better than having... Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. 
Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Dinner at six or whatever, maybe even earlier, uh, and getting some carbs on board, some pasta, having a vino, having a chit chat, maybe a sing song or whatever, and off to bed early because you're going to get up at 5 a.m. or whatever it is to start walking really early in the morning because you want to beat the sun. Uh, You don't want to be walking in the heat. And we had a lovely evening that evening. And then the next day I was walking, I got to Logronio, I think it was where it was. Uh, It was the last place that I was going to go. And and on that day, the way that my schedule had worked was that they would all go to a hostel and I had to go to a bus station to get a bus station to Bilbao, stay the night in Bilbao, and then fly fly back to Dublin from from Bilbao. And uh, I remember getting to Logronio and having the moment where I had to say goodbye to all the others, all the friends that I'd made in the previous 24, maybe 48 hours. And they went to the next hostel and uh, I had to go to the bus station and uh, my heart was broken. I was just gutted. And uh, I was so upset. I remember when I got on the bus, I fell asleep. I was exhausted with the emotion and with all the walking. I remember when I woke up in Bilbao, uh, asking a guy in Spanish, are we in Bilbao? And uh, and he was like, he laughed at me because he could see I was like half asleep. And he was like, uh, si sí, amigo, suerte, laughing at me, saying, yes, my, yes, my friend, good luck. Uh, I got to my hotel and I was gutted to be in a hotel and not be in a, an albergue or a you know, pilgrim's hostel where you're on bunk beds or you're sharing these massive rooms. I was in this nice hotel with clean sheets and I hated it. I was gutted to not be in a hostel with everybody else. I think I even started sleeping on the floor that night because I didn't like how soft the bed was. (laughs) And um, I got back to Ireland. Uh, I got picked up from the airport. My dad dropped me back to my house and I got into the house. I put the keys into the door. I opened the door, I closed the door from the other side, and just before I went to go up the stairs, I bawled my eyes out. And it was insane, because when I really sat back and looked at it, I I missed all those people, and I wanted to be walking, I wanted that connection, and I wanted to be walking, I wanted to be back on on the road, on the path, on Camino de Santiago with those people. But I'd... uh, I just had made these amazing connections. And also these people I'd met, I knew them for, for 48 hours. It's ins- it was insane that I had made such a connection, but that was the experience of a Camino de Santiago because it, uh, <laughs> it just is like it condenses life. It puts all the intensities, all the ups and downs into life, and it puts it into this one intense experience. And you're experiencing life in, well, at that time I'd walked a week or something like that. Maybe it was seven days. I can't quite remember the amount of days. But it wasn't that long. But I'd experienced so much in such a short amount of time emotionally. It was crazy. Even to the point where, on the last couple of days, as well as those friends that I made, um, from Barcelona, I, I, I made friends with this girl from Alicante. And uh, there was this, my Spanish wasn't great. She didn't speak any English, but I remember there was lots of talking. I think her name was Sylvia. Would that be right? It's a long time ago now. And uh, there was just this connection. It was like, it was intense. We were looking at each other all the time. And, you know, I'd walk past and be flirting like in the evening time and all that. She was walking with her uncle. She was like, I don't know, 19 or something at the time. I was 20, I think. 
21 maybe maybe I said 22 I don't know she was she was I remember she was a year younger than me or something like that and uh, it was this intense thing and then when I had to get up I got up earlier to leave the hostel on the last day and I remember she saw me getting up in the morning and she got up to give me a hug and it was this real I don't know connection or whatever she gave me her email address and uh, when I got back to uh, Dublin I uh, I emailed her and because we had that connection, I was like, well, why don't I just go visit her, you know? Because we didn't get that much time to spend together, but why don't I go visit her? So I said, uh, you know, we'd organized when I was going. She was so excited to see me. I went to Alicante. Uh, Alicante is a city. If you're from Alicante, um, I apologize in advance, but what a shithole. <laughs> Rough as fuck. But uh, I get to Alicante and uh, never heard from her again. Would you believe that? <laughs> so after having this mad connection with, with somebody, um, and yeah, it was the last couple of days of the walk, whatever like that, but you're young, whatever, and we're emailing every day for ages that I was like, feck it, I'll get a Ryanair flight to Alicante. Went to Alicante, never heard from her again. And I was staying in a hostel in a shitty place in Alicante, and I would go to this Irish pub every night because I just had to fa- feel some kind of being at home, some kind of a bloody connection. And... Uh, I just got there every night and I was just like, I just hang out there every night, watch the football, chill out during the day, do a bit of writing or whatever. And I began to make friends with the bar girls. Colombian girls, very nice, looked after me very well. And um, one night when I was in there, after like I was there for like a week or something like that on my own, I'd go in there every day. And one night this rich Irish guy who owned some yacht that was pulled up in the, in the, the port, I suppose, or whatever, I don't know. He was there with his fucking yacht anyway. I think I think I went down there. I think he brought me down there one time actually. Anyway, we got we started chatting at the bar and we started drinking pints of Smithix. We got smashed. One of the Colombian girls who was amazing, she really looked after me. She'd like always give me a free beer or offer me like she offered me her lunch one day when she was on her lunch break. Anyway, this older Irish guy, rich older guy, we get hammered and he's like are you serious, man? What are you going to... You're not going to call this girl? I was like, well, like, I called her once. I've emailed her. She knows I'm here. I'm not going to fucking nag her. Maybe she's having regrets. Maybe she has a boyfriend. Whatever. I'm not going to interrupt. He's like, you have to chase her up, man. I was like, no, no, I'm not doing it. There we are, drinking, getting drunk at the bar. And uh, then as this is progressing, he starts to say, uh, I think that girl there likes you. I was like, who are you talking about? One of the Colombian girls, Diana. He's like, I think uh, she's got the hots for you, man. And I was like, shut up. I've got time for this shit. I've had my heart fucking broken already on this bloody trip. I don't bloody think so. I'm not getting involved. I'm telling you, man, ask her out. Ask her out. You can go to bring her down to me yacht. So uh, eventually, in front of him, I do ask her out. And she says yes. And we go on a date. And uh, there was a bit of a bit of a romance for the end of that Alicante week. And uh, when I get back to... I did visit her again, actually. But when I got back to to Dublin, there was a... I got a finally, eventually, I don't know how much later, I got a, an email from the original Alicante girl that I met on the Camino de Santiago to say that a family member had died and that's why she didn't... I was like... He still could have emailed me and said, family member died. <laughs> ah, the young foolish things that we do in life. Of which I'm sure you all have these amazing stories. But uh, Edinburgh felt like that to me, you know? It's uh, a lot goes into 
what is an emotional daily roller co- roller coaster and uh it's like I said to the audience one night, it's like going on a first date every day. Because every day you're trying to get the audience to fall in love with you. <laughs> and every day the audience is completely different. You don't know who's going to come in. Yes, you're in Edinburgh. Yes, you're in Scotland. But you genuinely don't know who, what the demographic of people are going to come in. You have no idea. And some days it's uh, 12 pensioners are in. They're taking up most of the front row because they've got a deal that day or something like that. And they're smiling, but you feel like they hate you. Another day you have loads of middle-aged Glaswegian women who have a day off and they are smashed by four o'clock. And they're going to come in and say whatever the fuck they want to say, whether you're delivering a show or not. And it was great. Both are great. Both are very different, but both are great. But every day is, you know, days don't be, you know, there's no weekends. Do you know what I mean? It just feels like every day is Edinburgh Day. And it's this intense life situation where you are, you know, your your family becomes a different thing all of a sudden. The family become the people that you work with, the people that take your show or your the agents, the producers, the flyers, all that kind of stuff. All those people around you. And it's just this intense, lovely time. And, uh. I think you just fall in love with the whole experience. It's a magical place. Don't I don't want you to get the wrong impression here. It's very difficult. It's very challenging. It's exhausting. But I think a lot of the best things are. The Camino de Santiago had its ups and downs from both sides. There was real lows, but then there was real highs in the connections that I made with people, you know? And the, the love that you find in a different way. I'm not saying falling in love with somebody. I'm saying that when you make connections with these people, it's a big, it's a big connection. You know, it's, a, it's an intense thing that even if it was just for 48 hours, it's because it's that moment in time where you're all on a journey. You're all experiencing the same thing together. That's why you come back to Dublin. You open the front door and you end up bawling your eyes out because you've had a really deep and meaningful experience. Edinburgh's like that, especially as an artist especially to be surrounded by artists every day, all grinding it out, all up against it, all up against the same challenge to try and get people into your show, and then when they do come in to try and make it a good show. It's special. And, like, I made the rookie error of doing the last Monday, which, like, to be honest with you, most of the festival didn't do feckin' Monday. I won't be doing it next year, that's for sure. But... It was That was an experience of, I wasn't crying when I was leaving Edinburgh that time because, in the same way that I was with Camino de Santiago, because it was over. The fringe was over. The day that I was leaving, it was done. There's no one around, and you can feel the magic has left the city. Because the magic is the artists that make it. And it was an amazing time, and you, you just kind of fall in love with the whole experience. You fall in love with all the people that are around you. you it's just special it's been hard to be back in 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 ireland to be honest it's been hard to be back in dublin because um i suppose one of the things that you're trying to do as an artist is just to be understood that's why you make things that's why as comedians you know we write and we think of things to say yes we want to make people laugh but also it's a moment of of an old that moment of people laughing is is a moment of an audience understanding you to a certain degree you know or to under they understand your expression for sure and uh 
when you're surrounded by that on so many levels, you're surrounded by people who are on that same journey as you, um, and you come back to, in quote-unquote, the real world, which, fuck that, who decides what the real world is? But when I come back to my other life, it's amazing to have, to be with my daughter again because I suppose I see kids as artists themselves and then spending time with, with her is like being at the Edinburgh Fringe, to be honest with you. To be surrounded by that magic all the time. But um, to be back uh, in a routine uh, or to be back uh, where lots of other things are going on in the world and you don't necessarily feel the daily magic that you do with the Edinburgh Fringe, I suppose there's a little bit of a come down from it. I haven't felt a huge morning like I did when I was a young man coming back from the Camino de Santiago because my immediate attitude is, well, look, I'll be there next year, that's for sure. And also that I'm looking forward to, to building the show for next year, my new show for next year. I'm not even talking about the new show that is that I'm going to be touring. I'm already thinking of cr- and working on creating the show for 2023. And that's what Edinburgh's given me. It's given me massive hope, massive energy, massive... Even though, you know, I'm fucking absolutely exhausted. Let's not get it wrong here, you know. I could still sw- sleep for a week, let me tell you. I haven't recovered uh, sleep-wise. But it's given me inspiration. I met special people. They give you artistic hope. You feel the magic and it makes you just want to go again. Makes you want to live in that world. Not the world of the Edinburgh Fringe, in the world of making magic happen. (laughs) I suppose that's just what we're in the business of as artists. Just making magic happen. Anyway. That's today's thoughts. I hope today's podcast has made you think about some of the magical times that you've had in your life. We've all had them. I suppose the challenge that Uh, I see myself with or the new perspective that I can uh, take into my everyday life at this moment in time is that I can make the magic happen wherever I am and seeing the magic at Edinburgh Fringe and feeling it and being part of it and working at it and living in it every day means that oh I can do that here I can do that in my everyday life right now I can do that in this in the podcast that I'm making I can do that and, yeah, I was going to say the way I take a shit, but, yeah, there's the romance gone from this podcast, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, I hope today's episode has just made you think of, yeah, some of the magical times that you've had and maybe you can bring them into your everyday life. Maybe your moment of magic is just this little silly podcast of a fella talking to himself. <laughs> but yeah, it's uh, it was a special time. And uh, I think uh, there's still a lot of reflecting uh, on it to be done. But what I've taken from it is only good. Yes, I'm battered and I'm tired from it and I'm exhausted by it. But all I can take from it at this moment in time is only good stuff, to be honest with you. And it has filled the tank full of inspiration and it's given me the energy to go on to, and to go and be more inspired by things going on that inspire me, that fill my tank. So yeah, there you have it. I hope you find something in your day today as you're listening on this Friday. It's fucking Friday. Sure, enjoy yourself. 
But I hope you find something that uh, is inspiring you as you go into the weekend or you in on your Friday or if you're in work or wherever you're listening to this, whatever day it is that you're listening to it, I hope you find your little bit of magic, your little bit of inspiration to keep you going during the week. And uh, that's all I have to say for this week. I'm sure I'll be doing plenty of reflecting, plenty more chatting about it in future podcasts. Thanks so much for all the uh, chats about all the messages that you sent about the Nikki Britton podcast. I'm delighted that you enjoyed that episode. Um, she is great crack. She's one of the great people that I met. Uh, and she was great fun. So I'm delighted that you enjoyed it. Yes, there'll be more people coming on at certain points. But for now, all I've got for you is to say peace and love and chat to you next time. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.